You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, the immigrant experience and money, plus how to become the ultimate go-getter with Sinjini Das. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. If you are a regular listener, then hopefully you are happy. You're surprised that you saw a bonus episode pop into your feed. I typically release episodes every Wednesday. But this bonus episode is coming to you in partnership with Digital Federal Credit Union, today's sponsor, also known as DCU. I'm going to be discussing the immigrant experience and money, plus discussing how you can become the ultimate go-getter with Sinjini Das, today's podcast guest. Now, I did write an article in conjunction with DCU. It's on my site about the immigrant experience and money, and you can check it out by going to journeytolaunch.com or check out the episode show notes. Now, Sinjini Das is CEO and founder of Dash Media Group. She advocates for her go-getters, so she calls her audience go-getters, to go after their goals. She empowers about 8 million go-getters a month across her social media platforms. Sinjini received a President Scholar and her BS in Industrial Engineering from Georgia Tech. She even gave the coveted undergraduate reflection speech in front of her fellow undergraduates when she graduated back in 2014. Ever since then, she's been at it, growing her media company and her social following to empower people all over the world to go after their goals. So I'm really excited for you to hear this week's bonus episode. First, a word from today's sponsor. Now, did you know that some credit unions offer rates that are more competitive than traditional banks? You'll most likely earn and save more money by banking with your local credit union. For example, at DCU, their members have the ability to activate the earn more feature on their checking account and earn an annual percentage yield that's higher than many other financial institutions. And if you think your money is more at risk or that it will be harder to access your money at a credit union than a traditional bank, think again. Just like the FDIC insures deposits up to $250,000 at a traditional bank, deposits up to $250,000 at a credit union are insured by the NCUA. You can also access your money held at a credit union at any time from most any ATM, just like you would if your money were at a traditional bank. Most credit unions are part of the large participating networks of ATMs that are surcharge-free. Members of DCU have access to over 80,000 surcharge-free ATMs nationwide that display the All Point, Sum, or Co-op logos. DCU also reimburses members for non-DCU ATM surcharges that they may incur if they use an ATM outside the surcharge-free network. Pretty good stuff, right? To learn more, check out dcu.org. And stick around to the end of the show for the DCU Money Tip of the Week, where I'll be sharing money tips to help you save and manage your money so you can reach your goals. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or you can click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode to get the full episode show notes. Now, if you are a new listener to the podcast or an OG journeyer, I've created a jumpstart guide to help you on your journey to financial freedom. It includes the top episodes to listen to, the stages to go through to reach financial freedom, 
resources to help you, and so much more. Get it for free by texting LAUNCH to 33777. Text LAUNCH to 33777 or go to com slash jumpstart to get your guide for free right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Hey, journeyers. I am excited to be talking to Sinjini Das of the Das Media Group. And Sinjini, welcome to Journey's Launch. Thank you, Jamila. I'm so excited to be here. I follow all your posts. So this feels very timely and surreal. (laughs) Yeah. And the cool thing, and you'll get to know her journeyers as we begin speaking about Sinjini, is her platform. She has like her own like community and she calls them the go-getters, which I think is pretty cool because I call you guys who are listening, the journeyers. And there's a lot of similarities, I believe, in like what we encourage, what we want to lead as, you know, as leaders and entrepreneurs, but just also like encouraging our tribe, our people, our community to go after the things they want in life. So I think that's so cool about like your brand. So I wanted to bring you on the show because I wrote an article in conjunction with DCU all about the immigrant experience and money and weaving in all that like entrepreneurship, just like the unique challenges and things that come along with coming from another country, our family members, you know, immigrating here, us immigrating here and making a way, right? Like, you know, doing what no one in our family has done before, building wealth, starting a business um, most times, what that's like. And so I wanted to hop into your story on like your background. Like, I know you said you were also like born in India, like you're an immigrant yourself and but you've been able to do so much in terms of navigating here since you, since you land, landed <laughs> in the States. Right. So tell me more about like your journey to where you are today. Totally, Jamila. And you actually hit the nail on the head. It definitely has been a journey. And it's it's so funny. So I'm a public speaker, right? So I'm an industrial engineer from Georgia Tech. And I'm also a competitive public speaker, you know, all throughout high school, I won all these public speaking competitions. And one of my signature speeches, as they say now, signature keynotes was actually around uh, literally landing Boeing 747 in America. So you hit it. I mean, that's literally what happened, you know, and I was nine, I was nine and a half. And I think it was just really challenging even coming up through American schooling, you know, even, I mean, because when we talk about uh, my, and actually this is so timely because one of my primary challenges, Jamila, was actually American currency in school. You know, just the, the money here is physically different. The names are very different. And, and also if you notice, like the names don't really correlate to the amounts. So I know for the longest time I was like, dime, what is that? Like, what does that even mean? You know, because dime doesn't have anything related to 10 in its name, you know? So for a new kid, and for me, I grew up in a British school system. So in Malaysia, I was at a British international school. So English was not a problem, but I was trained in British English and British systems. And as you know, that's super different from American systems and American English. So I know for me, one of the biggest challenges was actually just the physical currency, you know, and I remember Jamila that causing a little bit of not even shame, but lack of confidence, you know, when you are at, you know, I don't know, McDonald's with your mom you know, you don't really know what to order because you don't really know what they're going to even ask for, you know? And, and my family, we went through a lot of that. I mean, just simple things like going to a grocery store and my mom was just overwhelmed by like how many types of milk there were, you know, and like the, the currency and also, I think when we talk about 
money and, and the immigrant experience with money and just my life and everything that I've been through, like it actually started pretty young here from not understanding the currency and, and that creating, frankly, a lot of problems to where I had to sit down with a cash register and play until I figured it out, you know, and what is a nickel? And for the longest time, like nickel, is it 10 or five? Like that was literally my life, you know, because it doesn't sound like anything. Yeah. You also just touched upon something important because our families, you know, immigrated here, came here for better opportunities because typically there are more options um, here. But sometimes those options are overwhelming. <laughs> there are so many options. You have so much freedom, quote unquote, you know, for the most part. And within that freedom, you then have now you can make choices. So I find that like coming here, it's like, yeah, like you're saying, like you have to get a bearing a sense of all that. And, you know, I, I hear this mostly from my mom, because even though like I came here when I was two years old, so I was a little younger and I didn't have as much to adjust, but like someone for, like her and my grandmother who came here, like at a later age, I just can't imagine like the difference in the way things are just the culture difference. And then the way things are valued here and how different that is. Totally. And it's, and I always heard this, Jamila, and I'm sure you heard this from your mom and grandmother too, that when your family has not really been used to choice, choice actually becomes a burden. I cannot tell you how many times I heard that. Why can't there just be one milk? Like, I don't even know what milk I want. And, and I just, I heard that over and over again, you know, which is why, I mean, my dad sort of had that one track that he wanted to follow. He did it. I mean, so there wasn't, you know, 14 different career choices for him, you know, and he tells me that every day, you know, and I grew up in a single working household, meaning only one person earned. I mean, I hear this all the time that choice is something we didn't really have. And I was born when my parents were actually about my age, 28. 28, 12. I mean, it's pretty early, you know, so like life just happens early, married at, you know, 20, whatever, 26, 27, kid at 29. So like, there wasn't a whole lot of like, okay, so what do we want to eat? You know, or what do we want to do? So, I mean, just even little things like milk and this, I mean, it's just crazy, you know? And so I remember that actually leading to some amount of, like you said, burden versus excitement, because when you've never been used to choices, you know, you, you don't even know how to function when you have choices. Right. Another thing that I find like is um, common is that while my mom or, you know, she didn't teach me about specific financial like lessons. The one thing she was good at, though, I will say this um, was saving because she didn't have much like room for error. Just she had so little resources. So I watched her like save. But then I realized looking back at it, like her biggest investment was in me. So education, that was her way that she said, even for herself, she came here at 20 years old and, you know, she had to kind of start all over, get you know, college education, then eventually got her master's. But she knew that that was going to be the way out. So for me, that was really important. Like you're going to take education seriously. And I find that that's oftentimes um, similar for other immigrant um, children. So how do you feel like that shaped you and your choices in career and life and business? Oh, totally, totally. So your mom came here and studied, basically. She came here and... Yeah, she came here, but she, I believe she already, she was able to get her high school equivalent, like diploma. Like, so she was, she came here and she got her college education. So she started at like the community college and then eventually like got help from the government to continue her, her education. But that was where she started. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, so my parents were a little older. 
so, so education for them wasn't really as much of a deal as it was for me, but totally Jamila, I think for me, it was really was about uh, the engineering Jamila. I think that was just a game changer. My parents for the longest time, you know, they kept saying that, you know, we're here, you have to get our quality, um, not just a uh, primary education, but higher education, right? Higher education. And so I think for me, the biggest lesson and, or, you know, like mandate, if you will, you know, was a college, you know, and, and not just any college, you know, preferably be an engineer. I mean, I think that came kind of early on in high school, like 17 years old, 16 years old you know, to where they kept saying that, listen, like, why don't you consider engineering? And, you know, I was not really uh, the typical, you know, kid interested in engineering, you know, so I, I did actually push back a little bit, you know, I said, why? I don't even like that. You know, I, I don't even think I would be that good at it. You know, I honestly, I mean, I, you know, don't have this like brilliant, you know, talent and building or whatever it is. But I remember, you know, my dad specifically really pushing me and saying that, no, you know, you're here you're going to work really hard in whatever degree that you do, you might as well do engineering. You know, obviously, as you know, women, it's, it's, a, it's a problem how few women do engineering. And then on top of that, women of color, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a real issue. So I think that really convinced me. And that's when I started meeting deans and everything at Georgia Tech. And, um, you know, we were in Georgia at the time and it was a state school and it all just worked out. And somewhere I really felt this just burning drive, you know, after kind of he talked to me and he kept saying that, like, I didn't I mean, I just I did what I could in India education wise. But, you know, you have this amazing opportunity. You, you got to go take it. You got to go run. And so. Not only that, I actually got the president's scholarship. And that was something, Jamila, more than the actual degree. Like that was something I remember, Jamila, that I was hell bent on, that I will go to college for free, you know? And I think part of that probably came from my parents literally just telling me that, listen, if we have to pay 60000 a year, we, we probably can't. So, I mean, I, I think that was pretty good because at that time uh, I did have a little sister, but we, we have a 12 and a half years age difference. So she was really young. Dad is the only one working. So, I mean, I think they kind of told me that, you know, we, we can't afford that if, if that happens. Or if it does happen, then we have to take out loans. And, and that's when I said, you know, I, I don't want to go down that path. That's not really attractive to me. So more than the actual engineering discipline, what I was unyielding on, and, and I will say I'm, I'm still so proud of this to this day, Jamila, because for everybody listening, to get a scholarship to college, you really have to want it. You know, you really have to go after it. You really have to target it. You know, it does not come, first of all, easy. It's not widely available. As you know, it's very select. Like what I got, it was like barely a hundred of the entire freshman class of Georgia Tech. And so it's just super selective. And that to the awards that I got, award level that I got was one of the highest of that hundred. So I think that was just like a big, thing for me. It's like, I got to go for free. And then I'm like, oh, engineering. Yes. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> That's amazing. You had that insight at that age, because you know a lot of, you know, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of people that is a push, right? Like, okay, you, you could be conscious, but so many people are not conscious about the cost of education, especially back, you know, in the day when, you know, you didn't have as much access to financial platforms and podcasts and blogs and you know, knowing what this student loan debt would do to you. And so I just think that's amazing that you knew that at that age. So, okay, talk me through then now, like you now graduating or, you know, you being in school, like what, what did you think you were going to like 
be when you grow up? <laughs> yeah, honestly, Jamila, I was straight up on that like corporate America path. You know, I mean, I was straight up on Georgia Tech uh, industrial engineering, you know, number one program in the world. And I will say you're right. I've always been kind of future focused, you know. So if you have younger people in your audience, I highly recommend them to uh, be future focused, you know, to be sort of long-term investment focused, because I knew that this degree, like this is money right here. You know, I'm in Georgia tech industrial engineer, whatever I choose to do with it at 28, at 38, at 48, I will never regret this degree. You know, I will never um, feel not even ashamed, but I will never feel like I could have done better than this, you know? Um, and, and to this day, you know, it hangs in you know my office and I just literally every day I'm so proud and it's been six years and I just don't think that pride is going to go away because it's just such an amazing accomplishment. So that happened. And then, uh, you know, I was straight up on that corporate career track. So I was like, Georgia Tech, you know, Georgia Tech Engineering, I want to get an MBA. I want to just like scale the corporate ladder. So I don't know, like vice president of marketing, Uh, you know, like that was my hustle. Like and CEO, I don't think I ever said that. I did say C-suite. So something like a CMO, you know, something like a CFO. I, I don't think I was really, you know, targeting CEO. You know, I just realistically, I don't know if that even seemed possible, but uh, definitely C-suite marketing. And like, literally that was my path, engineering, MBA. Um, and, and actually I was very excited about it until I hit 24, which is when I started my media company and everything changed. So you became uh, basically an entrepreneur. You decided to go that route. Correct. So I like a lot of people. So the journeyers that listen to my show and follow my stuff, I feel like, you know, there some are in corporate America or working for others, which is fine. I always say like, if you have a job that you love or a job that provides stability, and even if you want to do something on the side, like treasure that because entrepreneurship is not for everybody. <laughs> but um, I do feel like it is a asset. Like if you can, um, that can get you to financial freedom and independence because there is like literally no limit to what you can like yeah. uh, bring in as income if you create like something valuable for people. Totally. So with the entrepreneurship, right? So that's a big thing. Even before we press record on this, we we're talking about just like funding, right? For like being able to become an entrepreneur is is a is a privilege in a way because it it takes money and it takes not having to worry about the lack of money to be able to do something like to jump into entrepreneurship. Correct. And I think also, you know, for me, at least, um, Jamila, I'm coming from a culture, you know, of stability, you know, and it's always been about, um, you know, the like the degree, you know, and my first job was, you know, 72,000, got the raise almost 80,000 at, you know, 23, 24. I mean, so that has always been um, the the mandate, you know, is that you have to be financially stable, you have to be and, and I'll tell you why. I mean, I think if you poke that bear, you'll see that it's because both of us are not standing on much, right? So your mom came here, she did awesome. But like, that's it. Like, you don't have anyone else before your mom who was here, you know, and and that's how I feel. So, you know, my dad is like, yeah, you know, I've done well, but like, you don't, you don't have a whole lot to stand on. But besides me, which is a little risky, just by, you know, proposition. And so I think for me, the biggest thing was always, you know, be financially independent, you know, be successful. So I think the biggest sort of hit I don't even say ego because it wasn't really ego. I mean, I was fine with potentially being broke for a few years, but I think that just my parents, you know, were, were very concerned, you know, because for them, this goes against everything that they've been taught. Same with my dad. He didn't have a lot of support. So again, he was sort of the trailblazer. 
found a career in sales. His dad wasn't really, I would even say present. You know, mom was busy, professor, but just busy, you know. So, I mean, he had to find his way. He became, you know, salesperson, you know, in sales, everything, vice president of, you know, all that, you know, moved to America, you know, you know, my, married my mom in India. So he's definitely a trailblazer. And so I think somewhere he thought it was just kind of, you know, offensive, frankly, that I would shatter like what he's worked so hard for. So I think it was a process to explain that I'm not, you know, shattering anything. I'm not stepping on anyone. I'm just, I'm being a boomerang. You know, I'm going all the way down to go all the way up, you know? And I think that that was a huge process though, because immigrant mentality, uh, especially Indian, I will even highlight the Indian part, Jamila, because our culture, I mean, it's getting better, but it's not really, it's not really pro entrepreneurship per se. I mean, just from my experience, you know, uh, if you do build a business, a lot of my friends literally have just millions of dollars in funding, you know, so they've raised money, like they have investors and everything, which that was not really a path I wanted to go down to build my media platform. So there's a management process between like now having a business like this is you and then your personal money. Yeah. Right. So I want to talk through again, like managing that part of your life. What does that look like for you? I know you said um, DC wasn't you wasn't with um, your business account, but that you do have accounts with DC with your personal um, money. Right. Correct. That is correct. That is correct. And I think that was a very important decision, Jamila, that my business is separate from my personal account. Because I remember the banker who opened my business account, she asked me if I wanted a personal account there. And I told her, I said, no. You know, I don't, I don't need it in the same place. You know, it's actually a lot better if it's separate, you know, and it's two different entities. And I will say that my parents were the original DCU, uh, you know, fans, but you know, I, I had a choice of whether or not I wanted to also start an account in DCU or not, you know, and, and I picked DCU, um, for the same reason that, you know, I think you, you know, right. That it is a credit union. I mean, there's no fees, And also, I just want to say, I'm a big fan of customer support, you know, because you go through so much, you know, just little things like even like having three different, um, like one checking and two savings, right? And I had questions about that. And I'm like, well, okay, so with the savings and, and then there's plans where with, I believe it's savings, if you have enough money, they actually add, you know, some amount of like dividends that you get just automatically by you investing in that savings account. So I had a lot of questions about all that. And these people, 24 by seven uh, available to talk to me, you know, and I just, you know, it sounds silly sometimes when you say that, but especially when you're 24, 25, like you should not take that for granted because same with my business account, which is why I'm still with them for business. I mean, anytime I have a question, Jamila, they are literally a phone call away, you know? And um, I just, I've never felt stranded with DCU as well. I think that was a main reason that I have stayed. Yeah. And see, this is, this is also a key in general with anybody is that you do need financial systems and education at this point that you feel that you can trust because there is a big mistrust of the bigger financial institutions and like the structure that everything is built upon. And so I think one of the main things to get us from just like, as you know, culture, as you know, as our lineage and immigrants and just all that from just like, just getting by to thriving is to understand like the different types of accounts we can have is to feel welcome when we walk into like, you know, the, the, who's handling our money. Not that we're just like another person, like, you know, that our, our parent, maybe they don't speak English, right? Like 
they can go in and find someone and at least be like respected and, and have someone talk to them in a way in which like they feel welcomed. I think these are not like small things for people who don't have much. These are huge things that make a big difference. hundred percent, hundred percent. And I think also, um, and I'll tell you very honestly, Jamila, I was at a point where my parents were just kind of tired of it. They're like, you're ridiculous. Like you've given up everything else. So I actually did not feel comfortable. My point is asking them some of this stuff because they'll be like, you have two cents in your account. And I'm like, listen, today it's two cents. Tomorrow it'll be 20 million. Like, don't worry. So my point is actually the DCU helped us. I'm not even joking. Like they became a lifeline with regards to just questions, you know, that I had. And I'm like, okay, so I'm checking if I put this in and is there a minimum amount? And I believe they said, no, that there's not. And so the things about, you know, okay, so if, if I'm not sure about, you know, what is it like automated, automated payments, you know, how can I check that? Or just, I mean, a lot of things, you know, because I think I was also stressed out with having a business and I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to grow this. I don't even know what my you know revenue model is going to be. And on top of that, so it was just a lot. And then not to mention the final um, change that I made, which has literally changed my life, Jamila, is that almost two years ago, I decided that uh, credit was just becoming overwhelming um, because at the time I did have a personal credit card. And of course I have a business credit card, which you need. I mean, there's some expenses that are just, you know, too big and, and you, you've got to put that on your business credit. But I made a decision of, about two years ago where I literally said, I said, you know, let me take this as a challenge that I am going to run my personal life on debit. And of course, DCU was, you know, the, the hero there, my personal, uh, you know, card changed my life, you know, because I was just tired of seeing the credit, you know, go up and up and up. And I'm like, I, this is crazy. This is overwhelming. And also you can't really get a feel for cash flow on credit because you're like, Oh, my limit is high. Okay. Let's go. You know, but with debit, like you see that, you see that balance go down immediately and it just feels so much more real. So I have actually been running my personal life on debit via DCU for the last two years and successfully. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that you consciously made that change. And this is the beauty of everyone's journey being different because there are some people like me included, like I actually live my life, not all of my life, but a lot of my life lives on credit. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I'm also managing that very, very well because it gets paid off every month. I get my point, you no, know, whatever. Right. Your risk. But I think, <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be different for everyone, but I hope someone listening to this who does feel overwhelmed, like that they say to themselves, like, you know what, let me change my mind frame and like, let me run my life on debit so I can see like, you know, get rid of the, if I, if I'm drowning with the credit, if credit makes me feel bad or just overwhelmed, you know, overwhelmed, just overwhelmed right? yeah. to try it on the, you know, the debit side of things, you know, and have a financial institution that can help you manage that, whether it's like, you know, you can log in and you can see your accounts, you know, budgeting is important. So, you know, you get a budgeting app together all that will help you begin to manage your money because here's the thing now, and I want to talk a little bit about you as an entrepreneur. Yes. Because if you're stressed and you know, the crazy thing about it is I'm sure there are a lot of entrepreneurs who see, who may be doing well and bringing a lot of money in their business, but their like personal finances are not that great. Yeah. <laughs> so talk through kind of like <laughs> for you, how you started to make <laughs> your legit and earning money so that you could be also personally financially secure. That's beautiful. And and I will say, I mean, you obviously are a hero and you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. And so the fact that you just said that, 
Uh, I'm not surprised because your revenue in a business situation sometimes may not correlate to your personal wealth. And I'm so happy that you brought that up because I agree. That makes a lot of sense uh, to me. So basically, look, and I'll be, uh, you know, we're, we're honest here. In the beginning, um, I, I was just uh, trying to survive. And, and I'm not even going to sugarcoat that. Uh, so it, it was about, you know, whatever my business needs, you know, I had a ton of advertising expenses, you know, and it was like, okay, well, that's, you know, the priority. And if, if I have $5 in my personal account, I have $5. Like it is, it is what it is. So I, you know, I, I don't want to glamorize that part because uh, that's real. You know, um, I had enough to, you know, do whatever I needed to do. I have been living at home, Jamila, um, all this time. So again, rent is not my responsibility. I don't have a car. Food is not my responsibility, but, but my own expenses are my responsibility. So, you know, for television interviews, you know, on go-getters and I mean, all that wardrobe, that's on me. You know, and you'd be surprised how much all that stuff adds up. You know, it's a lot um, to look uh, like the image that you're trying to project, you know. Uh, and I think my parents day one, they were like, yeah, that we're not going to do that. We're not. We're definitely not helping you buy seven hundred dollar jackets. And I'm like, cool. So that's on me, you know. Um, so I think that was a, like it sounds maybe a little silly, but it was actually a really big motivation you know, that if I have to show up on TV, if I have to show up on these big podcasts or whatever, you know, video, like I have to look the part I have that comes from my personal budget. Unfortunately, I, I cannot expense clothes and all that because it's questionable to do that really. Uh, so I don't. Then it became like, okay, well, how do I do this? You know? And so I think I've set up a really nice structure which I'm really proud of, which is the business and the personal, whatever revenue comes in, because I am the primary account holder on both, I am able to divvy and, and set aside and save and be very prudent about that money management. You know, So like you said, I mean, if something needs to be paid off, obviously that's the first priority. And if essentially if there are bills, you know, advertising, whatever I'm working on, bills, that gets paid off, you know, my, my manager, um, who I'm no longer with, but he still has commission off of my book, which I wrote, right? So like, he needs to be paid. So all that stuff is kind of first. But then after that, it becomes what can I put into my savings? What can I put into my personal? And then ultimately, what do I need to run my personal life, you know, and in the beginning, like I told you, I mean, it was a shoestring budget, you know, I literally there were days when you know, uh, you know, cause in the beginning, like if you have a joint account, right? Like parents, significant other, whatever they can see. Right. So like you have $2, I was like, don't worry about it. We're fine. Because they also didn't understand that I I'm living on debit. Right. So it's not like I have $2. It's like every second, like I'm transferring, you know, like funds. So yes, if you see it, you know, there this minute, it'll be $2, but it's not $2. So sometimes I think there was a little bit of a concern, but I have found a process now, Jamila, and I cannot overemphasize the importance of a process, right? So if you get a check for um, $5,000, you know, from a brand endorsement, et cetera, et cetera, whatever you're doing, content work, you know, I think me before would have said, you know what, pay all the expenses off. You know, I think me today is saying, okay, well, let's, you know, pay the 3000, whatever, we don't have to go all the way. And then let's put 1000 in savings, let's put 1000 in my own uh, personal account. Again, what what I love is because I'm the primary account holder on both, uh, I am able to transfer without, you know, problems and concerns coming up. Um, so I do use that feature very liberally versus if it was like a shared account or somebody else is the owner, then you know, I would have had problems. But I do that liberally. And yeah, every time my accountant, she's like, yeah, if you're the you know primary account holder, like 
this is all yours. Yeah, I like that you're talking about the process because there's a lot of similarity, you know, between, you know, your personal finances and your business. Like if you are listening, you have a business, like you really do need to get a system down. So I do follow the profit first system. I never can say his name, right? Like I need him on the podcast. So probably going to invite him. Mike McCallowich, I'm probably butchering his name, but he wrote the book Profit First. And um, that really helped me because I was pretty good at like my personal budget and like the family's budget and making sure that was straight. But now like I definitely have a system in terms of what every dollar looks like that comes into the business, how much now I get paid from that versus how much aside for taxes and yes. saving. Oh, God. <laughs> So I think this is all great. And I hope it's really giving um, people just hopefully uh, just some things to think about, whether it's their own business or their own personal expenses that they're, you know, trying to manage. You know, I love all of this. And so thank you for sharing, you know, your experience, your immigrant experience and money. And then, of course, just how you use your personal banking and business banking, you know, banking, PCU, digital federal credit union. So let everyone know where they can follow up with you and all the amazing things that you're doing. Fantastic. Yes. Follow me at Speaker Shinjini. That's the easiest way. Journeyers. Uh, it's, yeah, it's Speaker. That's S-P-E-A-K-E-R-S-H-I-N-J-I-N-I. Really, really excited because I think that you are all go-getters and uh, you definitely sort of need that consistent motivation and actionable advice to go get your goals. So I'm here to help you become a go-getter. That's who I am. <laughs> love it. Love it. And I'll put all of um, Shinjini's contact in the episode show notes. Thank you so much again, Shinjini, for coming on and sharing your story. Of course. Demiel, thank you for having me. This was awesome. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Shinjini. If you yourself are an immigrant, first or second generation, I wonder if you could relate to anything we said. I know everyone has a different experience, but I believe a lot of times we do have a common thread and theme in some of the ways that we were raised, even if we came from and immigrated from different countries and parts of the world. So I would love for you to share that with me. So share that with me and Sinjini. You can take a screenshot of you listening to this in the app Instagram, that's where we hang out, where I hang out the most. And you can tag it in your stories or on your feed. And just tell me what you thought. You can tag me at Journey to Launch and tag Sinjini at Speaker Sinjini. So you tag both of us, take that screenshot. Tell us if you could relate to anything that we mentioned in the episode. I would love to hear and see what you guys have to say. Again, if you want to check out the article that I wrote in conjunction with DCU, all about the immigrant experience and money, go to journeytolaunch.com and or check out the episode show notes wherever you're listening to this episode. Now it's time for DCU's tip of the week. Some signs it may be time to refinance your car loan. Interest rates have dropped. The Federal Reserve sets target federal fund rates, which affect the loan rates that financial institutions offer consumers. From 2015 through 2018, interest rates rose nationwide. But since March 2020, the federal rate has been close to 0%. So if you took out a loan before March 2020, there's a good chance you could get a lower interest rate by refinancing. Here's another sign it may be time to refinance. Your credit has improved. Lenders are more likely to offer you a low interest rate if you have a strong credit history. You may have better credit than you did before if you've consistently made on-time payments on all your loans You've been making at least a minimum payment on your credit accounts and you paid off any old loans. For more, check out DCU.org. 
If you want to check out the episode show notes, that's where you can get links to anything that's mentioned and even get a transcribed version of this episode that you can read. Go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. Now, you can also still grab your free Journeyer Jumpstart Guide by texting LAUNCH to 33777 or go to com slash jumpstart. If you want to support me and the podcast and love the free content and information that you get here, here are four ways that you can support me and the show. One, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you listen, whether that's Apple Podcasts, that purple app on your phone, your Android device, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you happen to listen, just subscribe so you are not missing an episode. And if you're happening to listen to this in Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe there. I appreciate and read every single review. Number two, follow me on my social media accounts. I'm at Journey to Launch on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I love, love, love interacting with journeyers there. Three, support and check out the sponsors of this show if you hear something that interests you. Sponsors are the main ways we keep the podcast lights on here, so show them some love for supporting your girl. Four, and last but not least, share this episode, this podcast with a friend or family member or coworker so that we can spread the message of Journey to Launch. All right, that's it. Until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journeyers.